Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Creases and Corners podcast. Today, I'm talking with somebody who has been working for Archie Comics for over 25 plus years. He is known for quite a few different characters that he has drawn over the years, as well as being attendant at Kubert School of Co uh, Kubert College, I believe it was, for uh, cartooning yeah. and uh, sketch yeah, Kubert work. Of, Kubert School of uh, Cartooning Graphic Art, yeah. And he is also well known for his other works. I believe he's collaborated with a few people over the years. Anyway, well, let's get all started. This is Dan Parent from Archie Comics. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I, I am humbled by the fact that you're willing to do this with me. I have a rather small audience and I am still appreciating anybody who's willing to help me through this right now. So anybody that I can get that's well known in their industry, I highly, highly appreciate everything that they can do for me. My pleasure. Okay, so let's get started at the beginning. What started you towards a career of wanting to be an artist and how did you get started? At what age did you figure out, okay, I want to start doing this a little bit more in seriousness? Um, well, I started getting involved with comic books around age five. Um, from a very young age, my parents were buying me comic books and I was just very fascinated with it. And I think around the same time, maybe six, seven years old, I just started to sketch. I became fascinated with the artwork um, and the colors of the comics, and I just really, yes, it, I, I've been drawing and, and sketching for pretty much as long as I can remember. Now, what, what did you do to pursue that? Did you take it out art in high school, and is that what prompted you to go to Kubert School, or how did that work out? I did. I did. Um, I... I Pretty much, you know, took art classes whenever I could. Um, I really enjoyed my art classes in, in, in elementary school, and then in high school, definitely took art all of my four years as art of high school. And uh, you know, just was uh, one of the kids in the school who really focused on art. I was always, you know, entering contests whenever I could. They had art contests. And, always kind of the guy who did all like the you know the art projects for the school and they did posters and things and, um and all the time still collecting comics and then uh, when i graduated uh high school i actually went to school to be a teacher um, at first um uh, because even then i was like well you know i gotta be practical you know i think a teaching career is something that makes sense and uh, but once i was into that for about a year i really did um enjoy it and realize that that's it's, it's now or never if I want to get into art so I thought you know well, I got to do this I always saw the ads for the Joe Kubert school and the comic books growing up and then I had a couple of friends um, who were in high school with me who actually went to Kubert school ahead of me so I had sort of they were sort of like my guinea pigs I could sort of like talk to them and see how the school was and um, yeah they, they enjoyed it so I had no reason to not go and uh, skipped another year of, of school to um, save the, the money. And um, so about two years out of high school, I went to Kubert School. Now, to and, get into, uh, oh, sorry. Now, to get into Kubert okay. School, did you have to submit a portfolio of any of your previous works or was it just, okay, pay the tuition and you're good? Or, I'm, I'm not even sure how that works. Yeah, you have to do, um, uh, first you have to, you have to send, in, send in some samples of your work. And the way that it was sent back then is send in the samples of your work, and then you'd have a phone interview with Joe Kubert himself. So he would um, look at your work and talk to you on the phone and kind of get a feel for what you 
for your, you know, for who you are. And then they would either uh, accept you or reject you. And um, luckily, I was accepted. And um, yeah, so so that's. I think they still do it pretty much the same way. Except now, you know, of course, you can submit your work online. It's a little, a little different, but. Um, okay. Um, yeah, so I had my interview with Joe. So. Now, now, how long did you attend the school for? Is it a, a, a two-year program or one-year program or? Uh, it's three years. Okay. It's three years. Uh, yeah. So I uh, went did, did, did all three years. Uh, and you know, uh, most people do the full three because you really need the three years. Um, you really notice an improvement in your work from where you're one to three. Um, there's a few select few who find work the second year, just go two years, whatever. Um, I think I needed all three. And uh, um, luckily in my third year, Archie Comics came to the school and they were looking at portfolios. And that's, that's actually how I got started at Archie. Okay, that, that's pretty. That's pretty neat. Um, so that's what is that, is that what propelled you to move your career forward into cartooning and being an artist because of that fact that Archie Comics came to the school and said, "Okay, we're looking for people." Yeah, yeah, that had a big, that played a big part in it, and they, um, you know, they they started giving me work my third year, so uh, I was still going to school, and um, I started getting these like simple short short one page stories kind of breaking me in um, when I was in my senior, my third year of school. So um, the fact that I started getting work while I was still in school was good. And then when I graduated, Archie had a full-time position up in their offices up in New York. So um, they offered me that, and I had a job shortly after school. So that was that was really nice. Well, that was have worked out well for you, especially to help you for the tuition. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I also understand you did some Disney illustrations. How did that work out for you, and how many books did you work on? I didn't do a lot. It was back when they had a Disney Adventures magazine, which was like a digest-sized book that you'd find at the supermarkets, kind of kind of along with the Archie Digests. And so um, I just met, I knew a couple of the editors, I met a couple of editors from, from Disney Adventures, and um, I was doing some writing and some drawing. I was like writing some, like, uh, he was writing some Timon and Pumbaa and some Lion King stuff. And then I drew some, like, um, some uh, DuckTales stuff and uh, wrote some Disney. Uh, Pack. that was, like, another Disney Ducks uh, spinoff. So I did that for a while. Um, as I was still working at Archie. You know, it's funny. I just posted a picture of myself on my Instagram when I was from when I was nine years old and believe it or not I actually had some of those Disney Adventures books from when I was that age I used to read them all the oh, yeah. time <laughs> yeah they, they were popular they, they, they had a good run they had a good long, a long run in supermarkets on, on newsstands I actually didn't know about those right away I didn't hear about that until after I was in school I think I was in probably grade five or six and then someone had that magazine there and I saw it and I said oh that's cool so I just started reading them yeah yeah they're good Okay, um, now, from, from there on, where did you find yourself going in Archie Comics, and what made you decide to push forward in maybe creating a new character, or because you felt that it was maybe a little stale or stagnant or not going in the way that the fans wanted it? Um, well, I, I, I always, you know, had created characters throughout the years. Um, I created, like, back in the 90s, I created someone, like, uh, uh, Chickhead Sister Jelly Bean came around in the early 90s. Um, I had created her with one of my friends, Bill Geyer, 
And um, but but around the, in the in like the two thousands, um, late two thousands, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, we had uh, John Goldwater came in. He was our new CEO, and he um, was sort of like, why why isn't there any diversity? Or she looked everything looked very white. <laughs> sort of 1950s and 60s and uh, I, I had agreed I had always had wanted to put more um, you know, diversity into our sheet so then he was like let's do let's just try and do this so we added um, sort of adding more characters to the Archie um, classrooms um, to see which characters people would like maybe which ones they wouldn't like um, so we had we added more diversity um, then we added Kevin Keller who was the first gay character and um, Kevin had, um, got very popular, and then we did think the storyline with Archie on um, dating Valerie for Josie and the Pussycats, um, and um, that was a big storyline. Um, just because we had um, never done a, st- a really like a story um, uh, with interracial dating before. I mean, I know it sounds weird to say that in 2020, but um, really had it hadn't really happened much through the years. Um, so we did what Archie did in Valerie. Um, we didn't do it just just for just just for that reason. Um, we just seemed, thought they made a great couple, um, and uh, that that proved to be to be a really popular storyline. And then and since then, um, you know, our Riverdale is you know looks a little more diverse. It looks now it looks a little more like the way uh, real America looks like. So that's been a good plus. No, um. I know because you, you you created the Kevin Keller character who was quite popular, and you also won a Glad Award for that. Which, congratulations! Thank and um, I have to actually have I actually have two copies of that Veronica two hundred two, one of which you signed, and thank you for doing that. Um, sure. I just got so I just got so what was your motivation behind creating Kevin other than wanting to be diverse? Did you know somebody in your life who maybe represented the character or? Did you have somebody who said, "Oh, I want to see that particular aspect represented"? Um, I think he was just a combination, maybe of you know, you know, different people I'd known, but really, um, the main crux of it was we're having a meeting at Archie, and way when we had the idea of we had to do a gay character, um, our John Goldwater, the CEO, was like, um, "I can't really see why not." He couldn't come up with a reason to not do it. Whereas maybe 20 years ago, my old bosses may have been a little nervous about it because of the reaction you get from fans or from the Midwest or from the South. But um, uh, my boss, John, was like, let's just do it. And we did it. And um, really, the, the um, reaction was quite good. The, the fans liked Kevin. The only re- bad reaction we got was from some like a few conservative groups. Um, but as far as sales go, uh, we lost a few subscriptions and gained several thousand more, so we, it was definitely a net plus. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, now, after attending Cooper's school, I also understand that uh, you went to the, Amanda Connor went there, and I was just wondering if you've ever done anything with her, or if you just kind of keep in touch with any of your classmates from when you were at that school. Well, I, I definitely keep in touch with Amanda because I, I see her at a lot of conventions. Um, we've always been. Uh, we've always met, you know, stayed in touch. She did some work for Archie um, about 30 years ago. Um, she was out of Hubert School for a few years, and I was out of Atlanta for a few years. And she did a book called Bayou Billy um, for, for Archie, which um, was based on a video game. 
So we were both working for Hershey at that time, and I remember she would be coming up to the office when I was there. Then um, a couple years later, we were both worked on uh, a Barbie for Marvel. Uh, Marvel had put out a Barbie comic book back in the 90s. So Amanda and I were um, we, we, we were working on, on Barbie. This is before Amanda, you know, sort of broke out really big with DC with all you know her, um, you know her, her Power Girl and you know Harley Quinn and all that stuff. Have you ever been approached by anybody outside of who you work for to do anything? Um, you know, I've done stuff for, um, I've done some stuff for DC, um, I just to cover some things, and then I did, I did the Archie Batman 66 crossover, which was a DC Archie crossover. Um, I've done work for Dynamite, um, some, some, some stuff for them, and I do like, I've done like some covers for Valiant, um, so I, I've done a few things for most of the, most of the companies, I did some stuff for Boom, and, um, so yeah, so I've, I've, uh, dabbled with other companies, which has been fun, but. Definitely, Archie has been my um, uh, my uh, big employer, my main employer. Okay, now yeah. you, you created the you also created the character Die Kitty Die. Um, yes. Was that based off of something that you that you did from your prior works, or was it just an all original? Okay, I'm gonna create this character and give it a backstory kind of thing. Die Kitty Die was just something that. Um, I created with um, a fellow artist and a friend, Fernando Ruiz, who also has worked for Archie in the past. And it was just something that we wanted to do something that um, would be our own property. Um, because we wanted to do it without having to go to another publisher. Um, so what we did was we, we came up with this concept and we did a Kickstarter for it. So we thought we would you know, see how that would go. And we were lucky because the, the Kickstarter did very well. Um, this is 2015. We did our first Kickstarter, 2015, 2016. Um, and we have since done four Kickstarters for Die Kitty Die. We just finished one back in this past April. Um, and we did great. We, we had our best Kickstarter um, ever this year, uh, which was really fortunate because we weren't sure with the whole situation with the pandemic. Like, do people have money? People might be more occupied doing other stuff. So we kind of took a chance at having the Kickstarter um, this year, and we were lucky because it, it, we were fortunate that it did better than ever. Okay, so basically Die Kitty Die is a more or less a self-funded project from you and your create other co-conspirator creators. Okay, so... How long do you think you're going to do that series for, or how long do you want to go on for it? Do you know? Well, I think, we're, you know, we'll probably, this is the fourth series. Um, the first series, the first three series we did were, you know, we did it, we just, um, we're going to do it, and if another publisher wanted to pick it up, that was great. So we, we the first time we did it, um, this publisher called Chapter House in Canada picked it up. They're um, a big company in Canada. They publish Captain Canuck and a lot of other Canadian comics. And, um, we do a lot of shows in Canada, uh, conventions, and uh, I have a pretty big following in Canada through Archie. So Chapter House was a good fit. So Chapter House basically was our, um, we published it through the Kickstarter, and then Chapter House put us into comic shops through Diamond. So um, so we did that the first few rounds. Now this time we're, um, the fourth series that we did, we're on our own. So we, whether we go with the publisher or not, maybe, We'll see what happens, but 
the first thing we do is we, we do the book and the product for the fans and the, and the backers. So we'll, we're working on that now. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, once, then, then once the book is complete, then we'll look into maybe um, signing with someone to get it to Diamond or to the stores. No, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going in. as long as people, as long as people want, to, want us to do it, and as long as we can fund our Kickstarters, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. Okay. Now, now as a creator and an illustrator, I'm, I've always wondered how many ideas you have going on at any one given point, based off of the fact that you have maybe one or two stories that you're focusing on, really, but then you have some maybe little side projects, kind of off on the side. I've always wondered as to how many different little projects you might have on the go at one time. I, there's a few things that are like bubbling in my head, I, you know, few, but um, you can only do so much. Like right now, I'm really busy because I've, um, even with the pandemic going on, Archie did stop publishing for a couple months, but um, they just get me really busy. And I'm just working on like, some, uh, future stories right now for them. And I've been uh, doing a lot of online commissions since I haven't been doing conventions. And I've been doing my own through my website and I've been doing them through Archie. People can go onto the Archie site and they can order, um, they can either order like an Archie character shot or they can order themselves drawn as an Archie character. That's pretty so neat. So I've been doing a lot of those. So, um, so yeah, so, so between, between the Archie stuff, the commissions, and Die Katie Die, um, that's pretty much on a full plate for me right now. Okay. Um, no, I, I've, I've always wondered what you feel about the future of comic books in terms of physical versus digital media because everybody's all up in arms right now about certain books only being published digitally and not a physical copy so i was just wondering how you feel about all of this well i mean i'm old school so i definitely prefer to have like a physical copy of a book um but we do like like we like archie's you know all of our archie books are done digitally and you know print um die katie die we do the individual issues digitally, and then print the trade, print a hardcover uh, for the Kickstarter fans. So, um, so yeah, so we do did do that. So the, and then if we if we sign with a company and they want to uh, sign on with us, then they may print the single issues to get them into comic shops. But um, yeah, I, I think I prefer a physical copy to hold it in my hand. Um, but sometimes. The finances just don't work out that way, and like that's why a lot of people do. You see a lot of you know digital to print. You know people with the four or five digital issues and then print it and get it like a soft cover. That seems to be um, popular. But if I had it my way, that everything would be in print still. <laughs> no, because a lot a lot of people I believe were all up in arms about Harley Quinn number forty two. I think it was. They're all saying, okay, well, they printed the first 41 issues in physical, but then they're only printing out number 42 in digital print only, and everybody getting all upset about that. And I'm thinking, I don't blame them because if they wanted that book, you know. Right. Are they are they canceling the series? I don't think they're canceling the series. I think they're just they they're not putting out a physical copy of it, which is why a lot of people are upset because those who've been reading it up to this point and collecting those books and wanting to have them in their collections now are saying, Oh, I can't get number forty two because it's not available in physical format. Is there are they doing it that to like just to spike the digital sales that way? They figure people will have to buy it digitally or I'm not sure what the reasoning I'm surprised, is. I'm surprised they would do that with it with our book like Harley Quinn because it's a it's a pretty popular book. 
and I'm surprised that they would um, not do the physical sales of a popular book like that. Well, there was an article online about it, and everybody was all upset, and they were saying, oh, we want the physical copies, and I'm thinking, I can understand why they're saying that, but at the same time, maybe they're just trying to be cost-effective because they lost a lot of money. I'm not really sure where it all balances out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that. I don't like, like, I was, like, I was um, reading one of their books, Metal Man. I guess the, the last couple of issues of Metal Man are going to be digital, and then the, fan, the Terrifics, I think, are the last issues of that are digital only. So I guess, I understand it, like, when a series is ending, and maybe they don't want to, like, invest in the printing, they just want to go digital. I just, but I'm not sure why they would do it with a really popular title. But again, I, I don't know. I don't know the way these things work, so... Uh, I don't either. Sometimes I, I, it's one of those things where I either love technology or I want to put it through a paper shredder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, now digital's great. Because it, it does, you know, we, we do so. We sell a fair amount of Die Kitty Die books digitally, um, but our main profits are still through print. Okay, now I have another question. Are you in any way associated with any of the spinoff? sections maybe Riverdale or Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in any way or is that just a separate entity on its own yeah those are pretty much a separate thing um, so I pretty much work on a classic Archie so I pretty much work on the, the old school Archie that you see um, so when you see them, like Chilling Tales uh, or Chilling Tales of Sabrina and um, Afterlife with Archie that's sort of part of the horror line like that's like a separate area just like as the um the regular Archie title that's done in the more realistic style. That's another like separate area. Um, so there's like a few different branches of Archie. Um, I, I, um, and classic Archie. I've been reading Archie since I was six years old. My mother wouldn't let me read too many other books because she always said, well, there's too much violence in this book or there's too much swearing or there's too much, you know, of this and the other. And I just kind of said, okay. And that's all I really read. I used to always buy the digest books in the grocery stores or the little convenience places like Becker's or Max Milk or, you know, any of those places. Yeah. Now, what area, where, where do you live? Um, I'm located out in Windsor, Ontario. Oh, okay, right. No, um, and I didn't always get every book that w that came out right away because sometimes there was, I don't know, I guess a shipping error or something because everybody would be sending out the books and then I went to go find it and it wasn't there and I said, wait, where did this come from? You know, <laughs> it was just confusing as a child because you say, well, where did this book come from? Why isn't it on the display when it said it's supposed to be here on that day? And you're thinking, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, that's always been an issue with, uh, you know, on, on sale dates, and, you know, especially on newsstands. I remember when I was growing up, everything was on the newsstand, and they always advertised books being out on this date. They never, they never were, and it was always like, you didn't have the internet to go look up these things. Where are these books? You know, when are they on sale? You just, as a kid, you just had to sort of like wait. You just so. have to call the comic store and say, hey, do you have this book in? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I've always wondered as has anybody ever approached you personally at a convention or a, you know afterwards you would say before the meet and greet and said to you that you were their inspiration to get into art and get into comic books and how does that made you feel um i've had a few people who've done that and uh, it's nice it's nice you know it's uh, humbling when people do that 
Um, I, I, I grew up having people that I was really inspired by, you know, like Dan DiCarlo and a few Archie artists like that, um, and some superior artists. So when I, yeah, it's nice to, it's nice to um, inspire people. I just like to, you know, even if I inspire someone to not get into comics, but just to get into art or something creative, um, I really encourage that because uh, I think the one thing I don't want people to be is like scared to go into something they don't want to go into because I almost did that. Like I went to a field where I just thought it was safe and um, which was going to be teaching. And I love teachers, and they do a great job, but um, it wasn't fit for me. So I, I, I encourage people to go to do um, what they feel. If, at least try it. At least try it. Because even if you, if you don't make it, it's uh, very, very important to try it. I just out of curiosity, what subject were you teaching anyway? Uh, English. Oh, no, how long were you teaching English before you said, okay, I can't do this anymore? Well, I didn't even teach. I only, only, only went to college for a year to be to be an English teacher. Oh, so you didn't even start um, teaching in a class. Okay. No, no. I, 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 only, the only time I've ever taught was I did teach at the Cuber School for a few years. Um, back around 15, 20 years ago, I taught there. Um, and I taught, like, some, I taught design and uh, humor and uh, a couple other classes. And that was fun. That was fun. Um, again, I um, probably not, you know, the best teacher in the world. Um, there's some really good teachers at the Cuban School who are way better than me. Um, but uh, at least teaching art was something I, I knew and enjoyed. Um, but it was a, you know, the thing at the Cuban School too. There's always been a great roster of teachers. When I went there, we had so many like really well-known artists that were our teachers. It was pretty inspiring. Now, how would you tell somebody such as myself who has trouble even drawing stick figures? <laughs> how would you how would you encourage somebody to maybe try and draw a little bit better for themselves and make it a little bit easier? Well, I always tell people um, don't be afraid to copy stuff because you learn to draw from copying. So draw what you like. Also, draw from real life. Like life drawing is very very important. I would say. If you can go to a life drawing class and draw real people, real models, um, that's that that really loosens you up and shows you how the human body uh, works. So I, I really um, encourage that. And um, you know, you have to just do a lot of bad drawings to get to the good ones. So you're gonna draw and you're gonna draw so that's not gonna be like perfect, but you gotta sort of get those out of your system, and then the good, the good, the better drawings come along. You know, it's funny, I took an art class when I was in high school, but it was one of those mandatory where you had to take, okay, two weeks of music, two weeks of art, and then two weeks of drama. I did it only because, again, it was mandated. I never pursued it because I had trouble with even the simple little, okay, you know, sketch this out or trace that or what have you. I mean, I tried my best, but I didn't pursue it, so I never really got into that. You know, it's, if, it's not, if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, you know... We all have different passions and different things we want to, um, you know, research and do. And, and sometimes, it, you know, sometimes it comes along later. Like sometimes it comes along a little bit later. You never know. I, I can't keep helping but staring at that picture right behind you. Did you draw that? I didn't draw it. It was just something I saw online. Um, it was like a panel from I don't know, one of the old romance comic or something. So I just had it, like, blown up. So I just liked it. And then... Um, 
Now, I, I got to ask you another question. A friend of mine had an artwork commission from Darwin Cook. Did you ever meet him? I did. I did. I was a good friend with Darwin, and Darwin did, did the cover to our first issue of Die Kitty Die. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think I have it. I think I have it here. Hold on. Okay. I'll show it to you. Yeah, this is the uh, uh, first issue of Die Kitty Die that um, uh, Darwin did the cover for. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was great because, um, you know, I had, I had met him at conventions before. His um, wife, Marsha, is a big Archie fan. And unfortunately, when he did that Die Kitty Die cover, it was one of the last things he did. It was, uh, he did it that spring and he passed away a couple of months later. So it was you know, one of the last one of the last things that he did, and even he, even though he was um, sick when he was working on it, um, you know I would have understood if he couldn't do it when he was ill. And he um, just you know, he, he did it, and he just um, called me once, and he was like, you know, I'm not I'm not feeling that great. So would you mind if I had my friend Michael Cho ink it? And I was like, of course, of course. But he still you know he still pushed through with it. Um, you know he was he honored his uh, his commitment to doing it, and that was uh, really special. He was, a, he was a great guy. Now, I've, also, I've, I've, I've the same friend also who seemed to have praised uh, Bill Semkevich. Have you done any work with uh, him, or do you know him? Uh, Bill Semkevich was, was um, one of my teachers in Hubert School. Oh, he was. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, he was. He was good. He was like that was it. He was very avant-garde. And he was breaking all the rules and um, doing all this, like, you know, this, this cool stuff. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he was good, and I still see him. At shows, and he remembers me. He remembers me when I was um, one of his students. We're not that much a different age. Um, I, I won't tell. Really I promise. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know your age. I saw it on your Wikipedia page, but I promise I won't tell. <laughs> I'm 55. That's okay. Um, get, so when Bill was a teacher at the Cuba School, he was like a, he was pretty. He was young and maybe not that long into his career. Okay. What he had just done, he was doing like the Electra stuff at that point, so he, he had made a big name for himself already. Well, that's good. Yeah. Now, now I just had a just had a curiosity. Do you know anybody who works independently on their own safer image comics, and how do you feel about that? They were able to keep their own works because I honestly feel that people who create all of their own works and get to keep their own creations, I am all for that because I I don't feel that it's right to take that out of their mouths and say, sorry, you can't have this anymore. Um, yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, I um, have friends who work for Image. Um, one of my good friends, Giselle Gasse, is doing a book called Extra Sisters. She's doing that through Image. And yeah, I mean, it's the good thing is it's it's hers. You know, she's publishing it through Image, but she owns 100% of her pro of her project. Um, I mean, that's another reason why we, why I did Die Kitty Die is because that is that's mine. I retain full ownership on it with my partner and um, we can do what we want with it and that's um, it's important it is, I mean and work for hire is fine too I mean listen I worked for I, don't, I worked for Archie for many years and um, I don't own the characters um, so it is nice to work on something that you can call your own okay well uh, I oh god I hate to call this conversation I, I would love to keep talking to you forever and I don't know maybe we can do this again at some point I don't know <laughs> um so tell everybody where they can find you on social media. I know you have an Instagram, and I think you have Twitter as well. I do. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at, at ParentDaniel, my handle, whatever you call it. Also on Instagram, it's at ParentDaniel. And then on Facebook, um, it's just to look up Dan Parent on Facebook. I don't know what the, the I think it's Dan Parent 55, but there's a lot of Dan Parents actually, but just look me up on Facebook, it'll come up. And um, danparent.com is my website. So that's easy. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. And And for all of you listening out there, I hope you enjoyed all of this. I will see you next time on the mic and stay safe.